0: Good morning. So glad you're joining us this morning for church. I hope you had an awesome worship time in your living rooms, in your homes, uh, maybe with friends or with family. But why don't we just start this morning and uh, pray together. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. We welcome you to come and have your way. Jesus, we want to be a church that is alive and active. That's expanding your kingdom on earth. We want to be a people of peace that carry your peace into every single situation. I just pray this morning that as we meet together, that you would be glorified, Jesus. That you would, Because you're so worthy of our praise. You're so worthy of adoration and honor. Church, just wherever you are right now, just lift up your voice. Just give Jesus praise and thanks for who he is. And just turn your attention to him. Jesus, we thank you. You're so worthy and you're so good. We love you. You're the King of kings and you're the Lord of lords. We just welcome you to speak to us this morning, to come and meet with us. Come and just fill our houses. Come fill us again this morning. Holy Spirit, just come right now and I ask that you would fall on every person. That they would just encounter your peace and your love for them this morning. Give us open hearts to hear what you have to say and to put it into action. Not just to be people who hear your word, but that we'd be people who would act on your word. on act, And that we would act on what you're saying. In Jesus' name, amen. There's so much going on in our neighborhoods, in our communities right now. Maybe you're feeling just overwhelmed and overcome. You know, I've, I've been thinking a lot, and I really believe that, that we are to be a church. That, that what I want to see, what I want to be as a follower of Jesus is I want to meet people in this situation. I think we have an opportunity to either run away and withdraw or to run towards people and, and extend the peace and the hope of Jesus to them. We talked about this a little bit last week, um, but I think as a society right now, I, I think prior to all the, the uh, coronavirus things, as a society we were living in a constant state of anxiety, just waiting for something to, to go wrong that would set us off. In a low level uh, fear response. That's what anxiety is, it's a low level fear response. And, and it could be that, that our uh, desire for knowledge and for uh, information, uh, it could be just our prerogative as, as cynics where we say, you know, unless we see it, we're not going to believe it. Uh, but, but that those things have led us to live in fear. You know, we've set knowledge up to be the highest standard. And, and the, after all, knowledge is power, Right? But the problem is that we've actually become less powerful. Because as we partner with fear, it actually steals our power. It actually causes us to be to live as though we're powerless. Panic is not a, a state of, of being powerful. It's, it's very much a powerless state. To be in, in a state of panic. And and I think that so many people right now. Maybe maybe it's you. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's your friend. Maybe it's a family member. Uh, I know I've I've also I've wrestled with that feeling of just where do we start and and how do we respond in a in a global crisis like this? What answers do we have? And I've talked to people and and heard from some people that that there's people and and I've known for myself that that it's so easy to it's so easy and there's so many people who are struggling right now feeling overwhelmed by life and the current circumstances wondering what tomorrow is going to hold and just that overwhelmed sinking feeling you see one of the things about fear is that it reveals where we're missing an opportunity to trust because fear shows up when i feel like what's what the holy spirit has put inside of me is smaller than what's in front of me that maybe we can reverse that. We could say what's in front of me feels bigger than the Holy Spirit in me. It actually shows, it's it's an opportunity where it shows where I'm not trusting Jesus in my life. Where I'm not uh, living out of his presence. I think we have such an opportunity though when it comes to trials and when it comes to, to things where we feel overwhelmed. We have an opportunity either to try and run away from them or to dive deeper into who Jesus is. In Second Timothy one seven, Paul says to Timothy, he says, For I will not for God will not let me try that again. Second Timothy one seven, Paul says to Timothy, these words, he says, For God will not give you the spirit of fear. But the Holy Spirit, who gives you mighty power Love and self-control. Or in some translations it says a sound mind. You see, what we have to understand is that in this current situation, in the current circumstances, there is a spirit of fear. There's a lot of people who are experiencing that right now. They're walking controlled by a spirit of fear. You know, we look at people uh, panic buying in the grocery stores and we think, well, how selfish, how could they do that? And yet, when we are controlled by fear, we hand over our power to something else. We allow ourselves to to partner with a spirit of fear, and it causes us to do irrational things. And, and so I want to encourage you, let's be people who extend grace. Let's Let's live different in that way. And that's just a side note, but... As we we look ahead, as we look at the weeks and months to come, or maybe as we just look at tomorrow, and we feel so overwhelmed by how, how do we move forward? There's so much unknown right now, and it seems like the world is moving so fast. How do we find peace when it feels like the world is moving at a million miles a minute? That every time we open the news, there's something new or something different, or every time we we wake up, there's a new development around the world. And it feels like just when we start to, to get our peace back, all of a sudden it's gone again. So how do we live out peace in that kind of world? You see, as as humans, we don't do very well with change. When, when something changes, we... We often resist it and we fight against it. And, and unfortunately, in this situation, we didn't have any control over the change. And every one of us is living in a state of change right now. So how do we discover peace in the midst of change? Because it's one thing to have peace when everything's going well. It's one thing, you know, when, when your job is secure, your house is secure, your health is secure. It's one thing to have peace in those moments, but how do we have peace when it feels like everything is falling apart? When we don't know what tomorrow is going to hold, when we don't know what's coming next? How do we still maintain an outlook of peace? I want to start here. While well, it's great fun to binge watch Netflix episodes and watch reruns of The Office or Friends, binging Netflix is not gonna bring peace into your life. Reading and rereading the news isn't gonna bring peace into your life. Scrolling social media and watching funny cat videos isn't gonna bring lasting peace into your life. So how in the midst of chaos do we find peace? The Bible describes Jesus as the Prince of Peace, meaning that it's His very nature and it's rooted in His identity, this idea of peace. In fact, in John 16, 33, Jesus says to His disciples, And everything I have taught you is so that the peace which is in Me will be in you, and will give you great confidence as you rest in Me. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrow, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. You see, one of the things that that we've somehow been led to believe is that following Jesus means that we're not going to have sorrows and troubles and and trials and that, but but the reality is that they're par for the course. In fact, as a follower of Jesus, they're even more part of being a follower than, than maybe for the average person. And Jesus knew this, and as he's sitting with his disciples, he said, hey, there's going to be hard times that come. There's going to be trials, there's going to be persecution. Maybe he was even speaking about this time right now. But he's what he's saying is, I want the peace that's in me to rest in you. To be in you when you rest in me. There's an incredible key in this passage where Jesus is saying that we get to experience that kind of peace when we rest in him. And I want to ask you this morning, what are you resting in? What are you turning to? What are you meditating on during this time? Is it something that's going to lead you to be courageous, walking in what Jesus already won, the victory that Jesus already won? Or is it something that's going to lead you into fear and feeling overwhelmed? You see, because whatever we meditate on determines the level of peace that we live out. In John 14, just a few chapters before the verse we read, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, I leave the gift of peace with you. My peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your heart. Instead, be courageous. See, in both these, these passages, Jesus, he, in the first one, he says that it will give you great confidence. And in the second one, he says that you will be courageous. You see, there's a difference between the kind of peace that we understand when life is going good, when our jobs are secure, when our houses are secure, when, when our health is secure. It's a, it's a peace that relies on our own understanding of the situation. That we understand it, so we're at peace. We know what the next step is. We know where the money's coming from tomorrow. We know that we're going to have a job, we're going to have a house, we're going to have food. So we have some level of peace in that moment. But what Jesus is saying here is that he is, that, that that is actually considered a fragile peace. Because as soon as trials come, as soon as hardships come, that peace takes off. And maybe up till this point, that's the kind of peace you've been experiencing. But I want to let you know that Jesus is saying this to you as well this morning. He's saying, I live, I leave the gift of peace with you. My peace. Jesus' peace is set apart from the kind of peace that you experience in the world. Jesus' peace is not fragile and shake, or shaken. And I believe right now in this this time, God is giving us as a church, as followers of Jesus, He's giving us an opportunity to be refined. To go deeper, to discover His peace in this situation. Not just the kind of peace that the world gives that that leaves when hardships comes, but such a lasting, deep peace that no matter what comes, we can walk in. In another spot in the Bible it says that that he will give us the peace that transcends understanding. Peace that is that is beyond understanding. Where it's not natural, it doesn't seem natural, it doesn't seem normal to have peace in a situation. But that's where Jesus wants to meet you. That's what he wants to bring into your life. You see, real lasting peace is not accessible outside of Jesus. That's why he's called the Prince of Peace. It's in his nature. So that when he comes, he brings that peace. And and no matter where we look, no matter where you have been looking, no matter where you try and look, you won't find that kind of lasting peace outside of Jesus. It's not a time to just hold our collective breath and just hope it gets better. But it's actually a time where we dive headlong into His presence, where we welcome Him into our lives and we pursue Him even deeper. Even more passionately, even more passionately we pursue Him. And in that we discover His peace. As we take time and set aside time to rest in Him, we discover peace. Just pursuing Jesus on Sunday isn't going to cut it. We're living in an incredible time because when we are inconvenienced, what really matters comes out. Will we still be the church when we don't have a building to meet at? Will we still pursue worship when we don't have someone leading us in on a Sunday morning? I believe right now Jesus is giving us an opportunity to pursue him, to experience his peace. But what does his peace look like? What does it look like to live in that kind of peace? If you'll turn with me this morning to uh, Mark chapter 4, uh, verse 35 to 41. And there, this, there's two passages here, there's two passages. Um, it's the same story but it's told once in Matthew Matthew chapter 8 and once in Mark Mark chapter 4. So we're going to read the the uh account from Mark chapter 4. And maybe you you know this passage, maybe you've read it before. But Jesus has just uh been in his hometown of Capernaum. And at, while he's there he he gets rejected. And so Jesus gets in a boat and what's incredible is—is is maybe you know this story. There's a storm that that comes up, and we're going to read it. But, but right after this, Jesus goes to the other side of the lake, and it says in in Matthew, it says there's two men, and Mark it says there's one. Uh, both are accurate because where there's two, there's one. But they're demon possessed, and they've been terrorizing the the area. Uh, in fact, people are afraid to even go. They go a, a longer way to travel because of these two men. And we see that Jesus casts out these, these demons and, and, uh, and releases the entire area from their, the stronghold that they've been under, from the, the oppression that they've been under. But before that is the passage we're going to read. So that's just giving a little bit of context. In verse 35 of Mark chapter 4. It says, later that day, after it grew dark, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. After they'd sent the crowd away, they shoved off from shore with him. And as he had been teaching from the boat, as he had been teaching from the boat, and there were other boats that sailed with them, suddenly as they were crossing the lake, a ferocious tempest arose with violent winds and waves that were crashing into the boat until it was all but swamped. I'm just going to pause there for a second, because in my translation, the Passion Translation, it says in the the footnote, it says, this gale of wind and ferocious tempest was demonic in nature. You see, there was something that was happening where where Jesus knew where he was going. He said to his disciples, come, let's go to the other side of of the lake. He knew where he was headed. And then it says, suddenly, out of nowhere, arose this violent storm. You have to remember, a number of Jesus' disciples, they're fishermen. They knew this lake. They grew up on it. They had fished it since they were young. They knew how to manage storms. They knew how to, to navigate a boat. There was this one time when I was uh, younger, where we were at my grandpa's cabin. And uh, my cousin and I, we decided, hey, you know, it'd be really fun to go out canoeing. Well, we didn't know any better, and, and we didn't couldn't tell, you know, we didn't know the the signs of a storm rolling in. And so we started out. But as we were out on the lake and paddling along, a storm rose up and it felt like it was out of nowhere. And we started to get scared. The waves got bigger. And it felt like as we were paddling, we couldn't make any headway. In fact, we were probably moving backwards. And I just remember feeling as, as a, a young boy at that time, just feeling terrified what it, and the, the thoughts that flashed through my head. I'm not going to see my parents again. I'm not going to all these fear thoughts. So eventually, we were able to to work our way back to shore with our boat, and we we walked it along the the shore in the in the uh, storm. We made it back okay, but but it, this passage reminds me of that, and I, I think you know these were not inexperienced boys in a canoe. These were experienced fishermen who knew their way around a boat. They knew what to watch for with storms. And yet it says, out of nowhere, this violent storm arose. And that that they couldn't navigate it, so much so that their boat was all but swamped. Maybe this morning, maybe you've just been feeling that way this week. Maybe you've been feeling overwhelmed to the point where you just feel swamped. But it says, but Jesus was calmly sleeping in the stern, resting on a cushion. And so they shook him awake, saying, teacher, don't you even care that we are all about to die? And fully awake, he rebuked the storm and shouted to the sea. Hush, calm down. All at once the wind stopped howling and the waters became perfectly calm. And then he turned to his disciples and said to them, Why are you so afraid? Haven't you learned to trust yet? But they were overwhelmed with fear and awe and said to one another, Who is this man who has such authority that even the the wind and the waves obey him? One of the things that Jesus shows in this passage is his nature of peace. That he carried such a peace about him that he was able, when everyone was freaking out and their boat was sinking, there was such a peace about him, the Prince of Peace, that he was asleep on a cushion at the back of the boat. You know, if there was any other circumstances, the disciples would have felt at peace in that boat. But here they were experiencing something that they had never experienced before, facing something that in their lifetime they had never experienced on that lake. And maybe this morning, maybe that's you. Maybe you are feeling so uh, overwhelmed and just swamped with life, with everything that's been going on. Maybe you, you know, you thought you had peace, but everything that's going on with this virus has made you feel like, where is my peace gone? And I want to encourage you that, that Jesus has peace that He wants to give you this morning. He wants to give it to you this morning, not next week, not tomorrow, but it's available for you today. And so as we continue reading, it says that, but Jesus was calmly sleeping in the stern, resting on a cushion. You see, this was the kind of peace that He carried, that in the midst of everything around Him sinking, the people around him freaking out and feeling overwhelmed. He was able to sleep through the storm. And so then the disciples, it says, they shook him awake, saying, "Teacher, don't you even care that we are all about to die?" Fully awake. Now in Matthew, uh, I'm just going to pause there for a second. In Matthew, it actually says that he wakes up and he rebukes the disciples. The first thing he does upon waking up in the middle of a storm is he rebukes the disciples. And that got me thinking. Because it wasn't just that they had woken him from his sleep. I don't don't know about you, but if I get woken up, I'm pretty grumpy. But it wasn't just that he was grumpy about being woken up. He had an expectation for his disciples in the midst of trial. In the midst of feeling overwhelmed. But here it says, Fully awake." Fully awake, he rebuked the storm and shouted to the sea, Hush, calm down! And all at once, the wind stopped howling and the water became perfectly calm. You see, what Jesus does in this story is that the peace that is inside of him, that is rooted in his nature, he manifests that to the situation around him. He doesn't just say, Well, suck it up and go back to sleep. But the peace that he's carrying that causes him to be able to sleep through the chaos. He releases around him. He releases over the storm until the storm is at peace. So the disciples who are feeling overwhelmed and who are sinking. Feel, feel like they're, they're, their world is collapsing in on them. And they don't know what to do next. Also experience that peace. See, Jesus' peace isn't just for you and I so that we can be peaceful in the storm, but it's that that in the midst of all of that, we can carry His peace to people who need it. To people who are shut in, to people who are stuck, to people who have lost their jobs. To people who just feel overwhelmed. That's the kind of peace that He is giving to each one of us. Peace is most evident in the midst of the greatest chaos. If we continue reading, it says, Then he turned to his disciples, speaking of Jesus, and he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Haven't you learned to trust yet? But they were overwhelmed with fear and awe, and said to one another, Who is this man who has such authority that even the wind and the waves obey him? See maybe maybe we would say you know the appropriate response in the midst of chaos is to run to Jesus. To go in and shake him awake and make sure he knows all of our issues and problems. And and I think that's a fair response. I think that that would that would be a good thing to do. But as disciples there's something that that this passage reveals. In what Jesus is expectation or his desire for us is. It's not just that we would run to him and say, Jesus, manifest your peace, but it's that we would actually take that peace that he's giving to us and that we would make it manifest in our lives. When he says to them, why are you so afraid? Haven't you learned to trust yet? First of all, at the beginning of the story, Jesus said, "Let's go to the other side of the lake." And how many of you know that when Jesus says, "Let's go do something," it's going to happen? He wasn't just making a, a I, he wasn't just submitting an idea for for peer review. He was actually making a prophetic statement. He was on a mission to go to the other side to to as I mentioned earlier to set the area free from the oppression, the demonic oppression that was there. And some, some people would interpret this passage and say the enemy knew what he was going to do and so he s- sent the storm as a demonic storm to, to try and stop Jesus from uh, doing what he, was, he had set out to do, what he had declared, what he had prophesied that they were going to do. But I think what's interesting is that most of us would say, you know, running to Jesus—that's the appropriate response in that situation. The disciples did the right thing. You know, they didn't go and find another boat and find a dip, somebody else to try and save them. They went to Jesus, and yet He still rebukes them. He still challenges them and says, "Where is your faith? Why are you so afraid?" This isn't this isn't meant to to be condemning to anyone. This is meant to challenge us that. That actually what Jesus is inviting us into is to live out of, his, out His peace in such a way. Not where we're living it out separate from Him, but where we are so resting in Him, in what He says, that even when, when chaos comes, even when everything that's normal to us gets flipped upside down, we still don't partner with fear. We still say, I'm choosing peace. But what does that look like? How do we actually do that? How do we actually take hold of the peace of Jesus? How do we experience it? How do we live it out? In Philippians chapter 4, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, 5 to 7. Sorry, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. That's the appropriate verse. Philippians 4, 6 through 9. And I want to lay out this morning uh, three points on how to just help bring us back to, to a focus on peace, a focus on what Jesus is saying. And then I want to talk about how we can move forward Holding on to peace. Not letting our peace be taken from us. And I think that the the first point that's important, and this is just a, a general point, that you are not a victim. Faith positions you to take hold of the victory that Jesus won. And so in this whole situation in your life, you are not a victim. You're not somebody who things just happen to. Maybe that's something you've been believing, but that is not the truth. That's not what Jesus paid for. So Philippians 4, starting at verse 6, it says, Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell Him every detail of your life. And then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. In this passage, Paul outlines three things that we can do so that we actually experience the wonderful peace that transcends human understanding. That we can actually experience peace in the midst of trials, in the midst of of that feeling Uh, of a situation that would normally make us feel overwhelmed and afraid. He says, number one. He says, pray. Talk to Jesus. Now, I know that oftentimes when we pray, our prayers look something like this. Jesus, I have a list of ten things, and I need you to do those for me. Amen. But part of prayer is actually... It's it's communication, it's it's talking to God, but also it's listening to what He has to say. And as I've grown up, uh, as I've spent more time getting to know Jesus, I've, I've recognized that actually the listening is often more important than the talking. Absolutely, take time to, to bring your request before Jesus. But then also take time to listen to what He says about them. If we want to refocus ourselves so that we can actually allow peace into our lives, that we can actually take hold of the peace that Jesus is freely extending to us. That, that number one, we need to listen to what he's saying about the situation we're in. We need to rest in him, as we read earlier from John. We need to rest in what he says. And actually, we need to anchor ourselves there so that that is the main thing that we are are moving forward on. What, Jesus, what do you say about this situation? What do you say about COVID-19? What do you say about our community? What do you say to, to those who've lost their jobs? What do you say to those who are worried about their health? And we anchor ourselves first and foremost in what he says. Before we go to the news, before we go on social media, we anchor ourselves to what he says. And then we we also need to be prepared to move on what he says. We don't just listen to what he says and then do our own thing, but actually take hold of it and move forward with it. So when we say, Jesus, how can we serve our community? And he gives us an idea. We start moving forward with that. We don't just say, oh, that's a great idea. I'll get right on that. And then put it on the shelf and just leave it. The second thing that that Paul says here is he says, Do it, uh, bring your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Giving thanks. You see, what happens is when we choose to give thanks, it refocuses us. When we give thanks for for what God has done for us today, what He's done in the past, we have to remember all the things He's done, and, and it means we have to meditate on those things. We have to think about them. And so when we give thanks, it actually shifts our focus from the problem in front of us to the greatness of God, to how amazing He is to His faithfulness time and time again, where He's met us over and over and over again. And it positions me then with expectancy to see him work in the situation in front of me. But from a perspective that he is so much greater and so much bigger and so much more powerful than what is right in front of me and what looks so big right in front of me. It makes that thing look small in comparison. And it results in in actually having His peace be the thing that guards our hearts. And the third thing that Paul outlines actually a a little bit later. But it's it's outlined uh, as a way of experiencing the peace of Jesus. We praise Him for who He is. See, praise refocuses us again away, just like giving thanks, praise refocuses us away from our problem. It doesn't mean we don't still have a problem, but it puts our problem into perspective. It puts the trial into perspective. So when we give thanks, we look at what God has done in our lives. And then when we give praise, we look at who He is. And when we anchor ourselves in praise and thanks and listening and talking to him but but listening to what he's saying we can actually refocus away from fear and partner with hope we can partner with with peace doesn't mean that the situation has disappeared but our our perspective on it has changed so that we're not looking at, at the current situation that we're living in and thinking, I'm just going to hold my breath till it's over. But instead we're saying, Jesus, I'm so excited for what you are going to do. Show me how to partner with your peace in this. So that I'm refined and I'm, I'm, I'm ready for what you're going to do next. Because church, I believe God is going to do something amazing. God is going to do something incredible, greater than we could ask or imagine. In the next few years, we're going to see things that we never dreamt about seeing. But right now is the time to press deeper into him, to discover his peace. To walk in that. And so, so let's start by refocusing ourselves on Jesus so we can rest in him, we can experience his peace. And as we praise him, it also focuses us on the solution that he's going to bring. Of who he is, of his, the nature of God. The Prince of Peace manifesting into the chaos. And so we just praise him for that. And when we praise him, he comes and he manifests his nature into that situation. But here's the thing, it's is one thing to discover peace. Peace. It's another to remain covered by it. So those three things, they're great ways to refocus, to discover peace. But what about if if we have discovered it and, and maybe we've lost it, or how do we hang on to that so that we don't lose it? Maybe that's the best question. How do we hang on to that peace so that we don't lose it? If we continue in Philippians chapter 4, it says, So keep your thoughts continually fixed On all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind. And fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising Him always. Follow the example of all that we have imparted to you. And the God of peace will be with you in all things. You notice after the first couple of verses it says, Uh, tell him the details of your life, then God's wonderful peace that transcends understanding will make the answers known through Jesus Christ. So the peace appears. But then as we choose what we meditate on in our lives, we actually make room so that the God of peace, why is he called the God of peace? Because that's his nature. That he will be with us in all things. And as he's with us, he brings his peace into those situations. It's something that doesn't move, but it, it's anchored in what we meditate are, on what what captures my attention. You see when I meditate on on the situation in front of me, if, if my go to is is checking the news three times a day. Or my my go to is my own uh, experience in the in the situation, or in the situations that I've had before. Or if I'm meditating on an offense that I have with somebody, or if I'm meditating on my anger, or if I'm meditating on the world around me and everything that's happening, or if I'm meditating on the could haves or should haves or what ifs. See, that's what worry is. Is it's meditating on what if. What if this happens? So I can choose what I meditate on. I can choose what I fill myself with every day. The things I allow to circulate in my mind. And if in like Philippians, if I choose to meditate on things that are admirable and honorable, authentic and real, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, those are going to produce peace they're going to create an cultivate an atmosphere in my life for the god of peace to come and rest and to be there present in every single situation it doesn't matter if i faced it before or not that i can actually walk through it in peace and then this is how he ends that that line he says and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of god take time to meditate on what God is doing. Hear what he's saying, meditate on what he's doing. Because he he's at work, he's not stopping to work just because the world around us has been has been upended. It doesn't it doesn't impact him. Absolutely he cares and and it he He cares about every single person who's going through this right now. But it doesn't affect him. It doesn't distract him. It doesn't uh, catch him off guard the way it does for us. And so let's meditate on his amazing works. On all that he's doing. So I want to ask you this morning, what are you meditating on? And how is it influencing the level of peace that you're walking You see, I believe that this current time is is a time for us to get serious about being the church. It's an opportunity for us to experience Jesus manifest in our lives. Maybe this morning, you've just felt so overwhelmed. You felt like your life is just in chaos. And I want to let you know that Jesus is extending his peace to you right now. He's inviting you to, to give him the chaos... That you feel is going on in your life. Give him the feeling of being overwhelmed. Give him the sinking ship. He's already extended to you. The offer of living in peace. And it's not a fragile peace. It's not something that, that is here today and gone tomorrow. That you feel in a moment. And that is gone the next. But when you come into relationship with Jesus. Knowing him intimately. And walking with Him. Choosing to follow Him. You abandon all the things of the world. All the things that... That give us a temporary fragile peace. And we grab hold of the eternal, lasting, foundational peace of Jesus. And I want to let you know this morning that He's offering it to you. Right now. And all it takes to accept that is to say, Jesus... I accept. I'm sorry it's taken me so long. I'm sorry for my mistakes. But I accept. And I promise you this morning, He will flood you with His peace. He will fill you, He will, he will in the midst of chaos, not in the absence of chaos, in the midst of chaos, He will fill you with His peace. Because it comes from knowing Him. It comes from inviting Him into the situation. You really can't have His peace apart from His presence. Because it's part of His nature. Maybe this morning you've just been feeling so overwhelmed. I just want to encourage you. What you meditate on determines your level of peace. So what are you meditating on? our island needs us to discover this kind of peace and to be covered in it so that we can lead people to the Prince of Peace. For anyone who feels like their boat is sinking, we can actually use this time to serve and love our community, to bring peace into the midst of the storm and to rebuke the chaos, commanding it to stop. We can lead people into a relationship with Jesus that will bring peace also to them. It's not the time to to withdraw. Yes, absolutely, be physically distant. But I want to encourage you, dive into relational connection. Dive into peace with Jesus. Dive into his word and what he's saying. Dive into what he's done in your life. Dive into who he is. And then meditate on those things. Don't let those things leave your mind or your heart. And from that position, from that position of peace, you then can go out and influence the community around you. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you. This morning, for who you are, we thank you for your peace and your invitation to walk in peace. And I just pray over every single person watching this morning, every person tuning in, wherever they are, that your presence would just overwhelm them and and meet with them right now, Jesus, that you would just encounter them by your Holy Spirit, that you would fill their homes and fill their hearts with your peace. And Jesus, we're sorry for any time that we have chosen fear and worry instead of peace. And so we just choose this morning just to surrender to your peace. Right now. Holy oh, Spirit, just come right now. Bring your peace. And your hope. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you uh, prayed this morning or, or put up your hand in the comments to receive Jesus into your life, if you chose to to choose his peace over the chaos that's going on uh, maybe right now in your life, uh, we'd love to hear from you. And if you use uh, on mobile or on your computers, uh, you'll see a menu bar up here at the top somewhere. And if you use the, the uh, contact us form, or the contact form, uh, just let us know uh, who you are so that we can get you connected with resources that are going to help you as you start your journey with Jesus. Uh, Secondly, uh, we've got some great opportunities to serve our community right now, church. Um, Some of them you don't even have to leave your home for. And so you will have received in your weekly, this week from Brenda, uh, a link to sign up to serve. Uh, if, and and you can also select on there if you want to serve from your home or if you want to go out to serve the community. Um, but we have ways for for you to serve whether you're you're stuck at home or whether you're able to go out. There's a lot of needs in our community right now, and so we are trying to partner with community organizations uh, who are doing that. But we need your help. We need to do this together as a church. So please use that to sign up, um, and we'll get you connected so that you can that we can all be serving the community during this time. Uh, Also, if you're wanting to give this morning, uh, you can do that as well up in the menu bar. It's either in this corner, in this corner, or somewhere up here. Um, It just says giving. You can click on that. It's safe and secure. And it's a great way to partner with us uh, without having to even leave your home. Uh, Finally, this coming Wednesday, from 7 to 8 p.m., we're going to have a Wednesday night worship And we're going to do it over an app called Zoom. So if you don't know how to use that app, please contact us. Let us know. Uh, We'd be happy to help walk you through it. Uh, But from 7 to 8 p.m., we're going to spend time as a church. Everyone is welcome. We're just going to spend time in worship and prayer together. Uh, So that's this coming Wednesday from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. And you're going to be able to tune in online from the comfort of your home in your PJs uh, with a nice cup of coffee or tea. So please uh, join us. With that, you can get the link on our Facebook page or through your weekly as well. All right, church, I just want to bless you. Have an awesome week. Uh, just rest in the peace of Jesus this week. All right? Bless you guys. Have, have a good one.